you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast isn't tanking this season. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Oh, We're not tanking. The Jets aren't tanking. Bills aren't tanking. Bills aren't tanking. Sam Darnold might be tanking, but that's save it for the Shepherding Logs podcast. Let them unpack that. I'll, I, will, I will send you over there if you want to talk about USC quarterbacks and hosing for Rosen and all that stuff. Go over there. This is the professional football Sunday flagship about that show. In February. Presented by Head and Shoulders. Often imitated. I'm telling you, the imitators are growing for the Sunday night flagship show. Never duplicated. Not only in house, but all over the <laughs> the football world. I'm watching you. If People you jumping on this Sunday night operation. If you are on a podcast that's all of a sudden doing a Sunday night show. I want you to know I know exactly who you are and what you're trying to do. Greg, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. I'm great, too. I'm happy because for the second straight week, uh, a lot of great games. <clears throat> the It's interesting uh, now that I think about it. I haven't even really thought about it. The NFL was at the center of the universe, or at least our country last week with all the anthem protests. It was not um, as big a storyline, at least on the surface. Maybe we're in too deep during Sunday to really know what's going on, but I didn't. It didn't sense to be near what was going on last week, and it's not. A, that doesn't mean the story's over. Uh, but this week, I felt like it was more a standard NFL week of and a lot of good games. Fair, There's unfair. Still a lot of statements. Still every broadcast showing the national anthem. Yep. A lot of strong feelings. Certainly turned down from a week ago though. Yeah, I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying like, oh well, we're moving past that now. It's not that. It was That's just, exactly what you're saying. That, no, I know you're not. Know. Last week all that 
the NFL, it, forget about the games, right. despite how good they get. That was the story of the week. Right. This week, that's still going on, but there's a lot of football. I think any time you get into the second, third, fourth iteration of something that was very new and very unusual last week, it's going to take on a bit of well, a different tone. All it takes is one tweet, though. And unfortunately, You're right. And then there's been a lot more in one tweet. Unfortunately, there was there were great games today, but there it was also tons. Of, I felt like this was the first injuries really started impacting things mm. Sunday of the year. Hate that. Hate injuries. And there are some big ones to go over, including some of the uh, new young stars. At least one new young star in this league impacted. We'll get to that. So much to get to. And uh, why don't we do it? Why don't we dive in? You want to do it? Let's let's go. Let's do it. Let's start, uh, gentlemen, uh, and the loose cannon behind the glass. Uh, let's start at mile high. They're going empty from the one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tony, calm down. I love Tony Romo, by the way. We all love Tony Romo, uh, but his enthusiasm—it's getting—he's—it's getting higher and bigger every week. By the end of the season, he's just going to blow a gasket. I'm a little worried. Yeah, about Yeah, at one point, like his voice was completely shot because he was just shouting. That's... He has Greg. Greg is absolutely because Greg and Greg is the guy. I think I want to think about someone who loves football, no matter yeah. what. You could say this game is trash, and he'll give you eight reasons yeah. why it's a great game. Romo and Greg just need to get yeah. into a car and drive around the country together. Sometimes I'm like I'm worried that Greg's going to lose control of his bowels. Sometimes he's so excited during <laughs> games. Uh, but it, well, let's hear Romo again. First and ten from the one yard line. They're going empty from the one. And what happened? A 99-yard touchdown. I think the Raiders. Not on that actually, play. A nice drive. Yeah, yeah, the drive. It was right. incredible. Maybe, maybe they heard. I there was a little bit of incredulity, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. With I that, know what you're trying to say. I think he, it's close. He was he was surprised, and I also think it's just the stadium is so loud that he gets excited. and He's almost trying to scream over the stadium. Is it incredulous? Incredulous is the root yeah, word, incred- right? But the the ty ending. Yeah. Do you know, Mark? Don't be like, you guys are both wrong, but I won't say what it is. You're both wrong, and I don't need to get into it. Let's move on. All right, let's talk about the game. Manuel loads it up. Home run ball. That should be picked. It is at the eight. Justin Simmons with an interception at the Denver eight-yard line. And Denver's football first and ten with 146 left. That was Dave Logan with the call. Broncos safety Justin Simmons soared in the air and high-pointed the game-sealing interception, uh, sealing a 16-10 win uh, for the Broncos over the Raiders in a meeting of forever rivals at Mile High. That costly pick was thrown by E.J. Manuel, as you heard, who replaced Derek Carr after Carr exited the game in the second half with a lower back injury. He got kneed in the back. I believe, Mark, there is some talk that, uh, that he has back spasms, but no, it's not some type of... Hardcore Tony Romo injury. At least that's the initial thought that he he dodged a, a bullet there. But Greg, this was kind of like a 2015 like Broncos win, right? Score enough points, let your defense close it out. It it was in that they dominated up front on both sides of the ball, and that's what really impressed me. They ran the ball very well, and I think you got to look at the game in two parts. When they when Carr went out for the Raiders, it was almost as if the Broncos sat on that lead a little too much, mm. but they were running the ball extremely well against Oakland, and more worrisome for the Raiders 
is that Denver was dominating the game up front when the Raiders had the ball. So now this is two weeks in a row that the Raiders, who people thought, okay, maybe this is the best offensive line in the league, aren't blowing open any holes in the running game. Marshawn Lynch held to 12 yards. I believe they had 24 yards as a team. That's right. That, that's that's outrageous, and Derek Carr was taking some hits. I'm not saying it was just a field day on him, but Von Miller, Derek Wolf. Shelby Harris, Pecco has been a big factor in terms of the running game. Shaq Barrett, suddenly you've got one of the better fronts in the league, along with your friends in the old no-fly zone. Oh, now yeah. you're trying to get the Rocky Mountain Avalanche. The Rocky Mountain happening. Avalanche. But it's not happening, and now you've got uh, another star potentially in Justin Simmons. This is why they cut T.J. Ward, because this guy is so athletic, and he made a game ceiling play. So encouraging for Denver coming out of that loss in Buffalo, where I, I looked at it and said after they had beaten the Cowboys so decisively the week before, is this going to be a week-to-week type of team where you can't really predict what you're going to get? Back to their formula with C.J. Anderson, and how good does Jamal Charles look right now? He looks revived and young and powerful and fast. I think they have the kind of backfield where you can hit him in so many different ways. They're doing a nice job with him, too. They're not overusing him. I I imagine if he continues to look good week after week, he'll start to to get more and more work. But C.J. Anderson is doing the job as the the primary ball carrier, and then Charles is kind of the breath of fresh air. I would look out here on the – on the Raiders side of the ball, you know, they're going to be putting a lot on Carr if the running game can't get going. I'm, I'm not making any statements about Marshawn Lynch maybe not being Marshawn Lynch anymore, but since week two, this is three games now, he's averaging less than three yards a carry, uh, so he has not been running people over uh, with regularity like the old beast mode. And, and Carr's going to need help, and you hope he's going to be on the field, but this is two straight weeks now, Greg, where the Raiders, who are supposed to be an AFC superpower, look highly mortal especially on offense, and that's what they're supposed to be built around. Defense played well enough to win. They they got enough stops. The, the Raiders actually moved the ball better when E.J. Manuel came in. I don't think that would continue for very long. Uh, Jack Dorio did say we should mention that okay. he believes that Carr's back spasms should be cleaned up quickly. I'm not sure how you know that right off the bat. He said there'll be some precautionary tests they host the Ravens next week. But that I just think it's going to be really hard for any of these teams to go into Denver and get a win against this defense because I still feel like they have room to grow on offense that they didn't even really show today. All right, let's move on. First down, Goff. Takes the handoff on the fly sweep and throws down the seam. It's caught. 35-30. Inside move. Gurley's going to go. 10-5. Touchdown, L.A. Todd Gurley's 53-yard catch and run put his team ahead in the third quarter. And Greg the Leg Zerline, or Legatron, it's really your choice. Dealer's choice. Have it the other way. Uh, hit all seven of his field goal attempts. Marron to lead the Los Angeles Rams to a 35-30 upset win over the Cowboys in Big D. Jared Goff uh, didn't turn the ball over. And Todd Gurley again played like a star. Uh, and now the Rams are 3-1. and one. And let's face it, they're one of the NFL surprises at the regular season quarter poll. No way around it. It's it's incredible to me that, yes, there are some new pieces here, but what an indictment on the previous coaching staff to have so many similar <laughs> weapons. Gets dragged well, I'm sorry, but it's it's that's why the Ram, Sean McVay and the combination of Sean McVay and Wade Phillips have turned the Rams into the one of the most watchable enjoyable and encouraging stories of the NFL season with so many of the same tools that the last coaching staff could not handle. Here's one thing, and I'll say Fisher didn't do a good job with the talent, and I don't know if at that stage of his career if he was invested enough to really be a successful coach, Uh, but I will say that it's not all on Jeff Fisher. For instance, 
Andrew uh, Wentworth, he's become one of the top players on this team. He's had one hurry, I believe, all season. So all of a sudden they have a lockdown left tackle, and that does wonders for a young quarterback. So by getting the right coaches around uh, Goff, that's helped him a lot. But also there have been some big additions to this team. Les Snead, their general manager, and Sean McVay, who's certainly part of the you know player personnel process, but it's Snead running the show, had an incredible offseason. Think of who who's you know the the weapons for uh, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and Whitworth. So those are all pickups, and they're all coming through. I do think it should be noted for the Cowboys who started out this game well, they were missing Sean Lee. And when I saw that before the game, I I thought this team is gonna have trouble getting stops as it was because they're missing two young players in the secondary. They're already not very good there, and they're missing two key contributors. And then you take away Sean Lee. I think you know Dave Damashek has the Jenga piece theory. Mm-hmm. Sean Lee is the Jenga piece for that defense, and when he's not on the field, I expected the Rams to to get some points. Which yeah, the Rams offensive line, which has been so rough so many years. The Wentworth thing, absolutely. He, he's a huge addition. One sack for the Cowboys after after the Cowboys and Dallas looked so ferocious the last couple of weeks with DeMarcus Lawrence and, Lawrence and company. And if you watch this game, um, you were taken by, and hats off to Wade Phillips, who got a game ball afterwards, uh, beating his old team, a team that, he, that fired him once upon a time. But the Cowboys were, it was almost like they were toying with the Rams in the first half of this game. Uh, Des Bryant was involved. Dak Prescott was making plays like an offensive rookie of the year uh, did last year. uh, Zeke looked like the Zeke of last year. And it just, even when the Rams are doing a nice job, usually with a uh, Zerline field goal to to stay in the game and within striking distance, you kind of had the feeling it was just a matter of time before the Cowboys put them away. So you really got to give the Rams a ton of credit for being able to stop that momentum on the road and then be able to take the game and then hold on to the victory. This is a big boy win. Jerry Jones said after the game he, he's never seen a, an assistant coach do a better job giving his old uh, friend Wade Phillips some love in terms of halftime adjustments. They came out after halftime, three punts and an interception, and that's what turned the game around because the, the Rams never really stopped scoring. They only were punted twice the whole game, and they didn't turn the ball over. That, that's ridiculous. They This – is a an incredibly explosive offense. It's one of the most fun teams in the league. We know Chris Wesseling's back uh, at his uh, abode, enjoying this Rams victory oh, today. He is he's enjoying the Rams. He he pegged the Rams uh, back in the summer as a team that can make a, a playoff run this year. We all like the Rams, and geez, let's mm. talk about it. Who will be the team? team. I think it's time to call a vote, guys. That's the director's cut right there. Yeah, we've been dancing around the Rams for a couple of weeks now, and we get we get a lot of slack about, you know, not the instant me- messenger client. We of course not. That flack. Up. We get a lot of flack about uh, you guys take so long to pick a team at ATL. All right. We've been waiting to be whole. We're missing, yeah. we're missing one of the, the four horsemen here. But here's the thing. 
Wes is plugged in on the Rams. He's been on board. We reached out to Wes. He he signed off on the idea of the Rams being a team of ATL. So let's let's put a vote. Let's take it to a vote. Let's send it to a vote. I right, listen, Mark. Let's start right here. It, a, a lot of times it's the log jam between the four of us that cannot agree and it's leaves one or two people interested in the team of ATL, two others typically faking it, or like last year it created total division yep. when we picked the Vikings and then they crumbled. And or in they, your case, paranoia, but yeah. Yeah, paranoia, <laughs> division, you choose whatever words you'd fury. want to choose. I would throw fury in there too. No one right now can look at this team and say they don't, don't – Match the core elements of Team of ATL. What are those core elements? For me, they have to be fun, fun to, watch. to watch. They're not getting in my way of like my personal team, and no one is at this point, so that's fine. <laughs> the Browns are doing a good job. Yeah, of I am enjoying the coaching staff on down. The coaching element's important to me. I easily, happily sign off on the Rams. Okay, I will uh, second that absolutely. What do you like in a Team of ATL? It's a fun team. It's a young team. You like the coaching staff, son of bums involved, and it's a, a, a local team. And I know there are probably NFL fans in St. Louis. There's like, how dare you? Well, the Rams were an L.A. team before they were a St. Louis team. It's not the same issue of betrayal uh, right. that some people threw out there with the, with the Chargers, uh, and perhaps rightly so. So I don't. that's not a hang-up for me. So I rubber stamp it. Yes, uh, Wes early, already has signed off. So, Greg. Uh, Come on, know, Greg. Don't, don't do the Greg thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. You gotta, you gotta go with us on this one, buddy. All I, I love it, and all I can think about right now is somewhere in the Paramore mansion. The Paramore is listening to this, and she is the biggest Rams fan Ooh, yeah. on the earth, and right. she is hoping and and <laughs> praying as this final vote's sitting out there. And I just gotta say, this one's for the Paramore. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so they are the 2017. Team of ATL slash ATN is the Los Angeles Rams. Do not let us down like the Vikings did last year. That's our only warning. I'm also fine if it if it, if the season takes on a weird thing. But is this the earliest we picked a team? I feel like the Panthers when we started this was around the same time. Other Panthers seasons was, it took way too long. Panthers was early, week four or five. Yeah. All right, enough of the navel gazing. Let's move on. More football. Snap. Spot. Kick is on the way. End over end, and it is good. There we go. <laughs> the Panthers <laughs> yes. have come to New England and beaten the defending Super Bowl champion, and, New England Patriots, in a wild one, 33-30. And, and we said quickly, if you keep this game close, Graham Gano at the end with a field goal to win the game. Way to go. Yeah, they're pumped up, and so am I. WBT <laughs> Mick Mixon with the call. Oh, yeah, we're heading to the throne of sleaze. You don't have a choice. <laughs> she does not want to play this. Graham Gano hit a 48-yard field goal as time expired. The Carolina Panthers stunned the New England Patriots 33-30 at Gillette. It was yet another long day for Matt Patricia's defense as New England surrendered 444 total yards uh, and made Cam Newton look like an MVP again. Greg, this is becoming a theme. Patriots have a big problem to solve. Well, there's no more use of the word stun when <laughs> the worst defense in the league loses a game for the Patriots. I don't know. I don't think they'll be the worst defense in the league at the end of the season, but right now they can't get stops. They give up yards. They give up points. They don't get turnovers. The, Stephon Gilmore is going to really get picked on this week in the Boston media, so we'll see how that goes because mm. he had two key 
penalties in the game that kept drives alive, including the game-winning drive. Otherwise, the Panthers would have been punting right there, and everyone thought it was going to be another miracle comeback victory where Tom Brady... Seemed destined. ...who has too much on his shoulders right now, again, led them back. But they're they're searching for answers on defense, and until they start stacking a couple solid games, I don't think any result with this team is stunning. Speaking of the Paramore mm-hmm. and our other... Throne of Sleaze hit where the aliens zap Foxborough and her words, how great for our planet. (laughs) I'm not saying that it's great for everyone. I understand that uh, Tamposi behind the glass is like very, very horrified to witness this season thus far. I haven't seen her blink today. How was it when Danny Amendola took that gigantic hit? Your boy, Danny. A a great third down catch, but did that, you know, kind of hurt you too? Aren't you a Patriots fan? I am. I I have to get over it by the time we're taping. At the moment, I was certainly annoyed, but we got to tape. Greg it. is a Greg is professional. A ma- First and foremost, Greg is a master troll. Then seriously, no. that like, is not you, true. You're so excited. You're excited right now. Hey, hey. Here's here's a message to Patriots fans. It's week four. You've won more games and more Super Bowls than you could ever hope for, including two of the more fortunate ones in the last three years. As a Patriots fan, all I ever hoped to get to was that fourth Super Bowl. They now have five. And newsflash, football doesn't really matter that much for an organization like the Patriots until November, December, and rounding into form. So wait and see how this goes. But I think they've earned some benefit of the doubt yeah. to well, like, let it play out. Right. That's Rest all. your head on your pillow until the Red Sox uh, start right. the playoff run on Wednesday. Deal well, we, with yeah, we had, a, we had an executive, and this is an adult, in our office who, you know, well, who's exper- he's experienced a lot of success and stormed out of his closed office out of the out of the building well in New England. Boston fell. Fan, yeah. You know, an old school Patriots fan. But I, the one caution I'd say is that, again, we say this every week, it's usually on offense, but the Patriots are one of the best teams in the NFL in the past in this century of figuring out their issues and moving on. But I really think that something here feels a little bit different. They are shorthanded on defense, and I am also concerned about their offensive line. Brady, again, oh, getting for sure. That, Brady is playing as well or better than he did yet last year, and they're 2-2. Two and two. And I don't want to shortchange the Panthers, which we're no. going to, because we've got to keep moving. I wanna, let's talk I about say, them a little. This yeah, is we, a will, we will, we will. And we're going to get into them a little bit here and then just know that we're going to talk about them during the week. But this was a huge, huge game for Cam Newton, who has had a lot of people uh, across the, the football cognoscenti asking whether he is healthy, whether he can throw the ball. Then this was an MVP-type game. Three touchdowns, uh, 316 yards. He ran the ball well, eight for 44. And, and another score, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, who looked like he might have blown out his knee last week, had four catches on four targets for 104 yards. And, and they were able to close out the game, which teams struggled to do at Gillette. It was a big, big win for Carolina. A lot of blown coverages, but also accurate intermediate and down the field. I don't think Cam Newton's looked that bad all year. I think he's looked better than people think, and he's definitely a little more explosive as a runner. Uh, And they used it more today. But when he's had to scramble this year, he's looked really good. And I think Devin Funches deserves a big-time game ball. That's the first time I've ever You're handing out the game ball? I'm giving the game ball out. Funches was clearly (laughs) – Greg has jumped ship entirely on his team. (laughs) He was – Clearly injured, had a big game, 7 for 70 and two touchdowns, fighting through a groin injury. He's on the sideline, practically hobbles out on the field for a third and two. He 
runs the route, catches the first down, that sets up the game-winning field goal. If if it was some player that gets noticed, like that's a that was a Willis Reed type of moment. This out is of like Funches. this is like a guy wisely cashing out on his like Krispy Kreme stock right before the bottom falls out. That's the way it feels like with. Greg. I was very disappointed when they lost, but you know, you move on. And finally, before we move <laughs> on, you know, over the years, uh, and it is literally years on this podcast. Uh, we've heard a lot of Scott Zolak all pumped up. So in this one case, I said, hey, Erica, would you mind grabbing the Patriots sound of the game-winning field goal for Carolina as well? Love it. You know, with 12 field goal attempts. In Come on, Scotty, let's hear you. In a staggered pose. The snap on the spot. The kick is airborne to the uprights. The kick is Got good. It. And it. Carolina has come into Foxborough and will go away with a 33-30 victory over the Patriots. Where are you, Scotty? Maybe he comes in after that cut. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm very quiet, funny. though. All I heard was, got it, got it. Oh, Uncharacteristic sorry. for Zola. Oh, yeah, sorry if the uh, professionalism caught you off guard, Dan. Maybe you should try some of your own. <laughs> I don't have it. Don't need it. <laughs> don't want it. All right, for most guys, shopping can be a total pain, correct, Greg? I hate it. Bombfell is an online personal styling service that helps men find the right clothes for them. It's simple. And it's straightforward, Dan. All you have to do is complete a questionnaire and a dedicated personal stylist will handpick pieces specifically for you. Then once you've viewed your selections, you'll have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You can cancel it. You're in total control and you can only pay for the clothes that you keep. Plus, you have the option of receiving clothes once every one, two, or three months because Bombfell is on your side and they don't make money if you don't find something you want to keep. Now, I am going to use this service. Greg, how about you? You're going to try this thing? I'm concerned that Dan's just choosing this time to eat his dinner. Dan got Total, up and left. Totally He's not tuned, on board. We totally are on board. Out. Best of all, we've negotiated with Bombfell to get our listeners a special offer of $25 off your first purchase when you go to bombfell.com slash around. That's Bombfell spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash around. Bombfell. Open and close. If anyone needs that, it's definitely you guys. <laughs> I know. I think people are tra- starting to realize that I've worn the same shirt on literally every single television hit we've ever done. Ever. All right. Let's move on uh, to ooh an overtime affair in the desert. Back to throw goes Palmer. Looks over the middle. Throws end zone for Fitz. Goes up. And makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. Touchdown. Cardinals win. Wow, Larry Legend. Is that being thrown around in Arizona? That's fair. But that's kind of Larry Bird's thing, isn't it? It, it was. They're playing on the fact that most They're, sports fans, uh, you know, under the, a certain age, don't even have no memory of watching Larry Bird play. I mean, they are yeah, both yeah. undoubtedly named Larry and both are legends. For sure. Dave Pash with the call. Larry Fitzgerald's 19-yard touchdown reception late in overtime gave the Arizona Cardinals a badly needed 18-15 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, we now welcome in, he's our sixth man of the year, the ever-muscular, ever-Ohioan. Ohioan? Ohio, Ohioan. Ohioite? Ohioan, yeah. That works. We got another Ohioite behind the glass, Lindsay Fulton, joining the team. Hi, Linz. <laughs> She's well, not on a mic, but she waves. Yeah, 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 she smiled. Anyway, the ever-muscular Nick Shook. Nick, the Cardinals really needed this game, and that old Carson to Larry Legend hookup bailed him out again. It was four quarters of not a lot of action, a lot of field goals. If you like kickers, you'll enjoy this game. Uh, and then it took you know less than two minutes for them to get down the field. 
I was sitting there watching the game going, where was this the whole time? Why are they suddenly, you know, finding spaces to roam? But, you know, when you when you face a defense that's kind of playing soft under, trying to prevent the big play, and then ultimately gives up the big play. Because they were coming. It was an overtime game where it's San Francisco, and I like this 10-minute overtime. It puts it, it speeds everything up and makes everything a little more tense, and you saw in this game because the 49ers had a long field goal drive, and suddenly the, the Cardinals didn't have a ton of time to score that touchdown or possibly it's, tie. It's a good point you make, Greg, but there is another overtime game we'll get to between uh, the Jets and Jaguars where 10 minutes led to no urgency. Uh, but even your that, overall even point, that, I stand I think by. as a fan, it makes it more tense. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have to agree to you. I thought as you watch the 49ers methodically get down the field, and, and I, I, I don't know if I've seen a team hold on to the ball that long in overtime, especially in a long time, if ever. So in this instance – I was like, this game's over. They're going to kick this field goal. There's no way they're going to go 80, 80 yards down the field. They've been stuck all day because you got to give a lot of credit to the Niners' pass rush. It's pretty good, and, and they did a pretty good job uh, for most of the game today until it really mattered most. Well, that would be my question because they're 0-4, and, 4 and the, it, it, that is what it is. At the same time, they nearly beat a very good Rams team last week, overcoming some of their own mistakes early. And you go into overtime state. They're in these games at least. Were, it's a much different situation than last Seattle. year. There's hope. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Do you mean, feel any different about the Cardinals after watching this? Uh, no. The Cardinals' problem is – They're a tough watch. They are a tough watch because they can't protect Carson Palmer. And other teams know it, and they tee off on him a lot. Hey, the guy's getting beat up. I mean, he can't move either, right? No, so it's one of those bad combination situations. Yeah, they can't run the ball. No. Not, I mean, not really with any effectiveness. Uh, they did use Andre Ellington out of the backfield pretty well in the passing game today, which was encouraging to see. You like to see him get, get the ball in space. He was David Johnson before David Johnson, kind of. Not as good, obviously, but – Played a similar role. It's it's kind of amazing. Fitzgerald has a you know an epic game winning overtime touchdown catch that he got shaken up in the same week that he set a record for receptions on Monday Night Football. Had it in one of his all time games. Then it's like he he's penning a, a memorable season, even if the rest of the team isn't. Yeah, we'll see where they go because they show the ability to still score like they did today. That they're just not as good as they were a few years ago offensively. Their defense is and Arians never puts in extra linemen. That's one thing that teams know yeah. is he does not believe in that. So they just that but it might almost, be time to subscribe to that concept. It's well, they're they're five and a chip at, at most, and and that's not going to help if you guys aren't blocking up the park. And one more note from this game: Tyron Matthew, who uh, we talked about. Um, you know, someone on that defense, some of these big names needs to step up. 11 tackles and a sack. Uh, that's the type of game that they're looking for from Honey Badger and their other star players. They try to, to make something of a season that is lacking David Johnson. Let's move on. Dalton back to throw again. Dumps it off wow. short. Giovanni Bernard sprinting to the 45, 50. Wow. Down bounce territory to the See 30. Ya. Nobody's going to catch Giovanni Bernard as he takes it. 61 yards, Woo. about a three-yard pass downfield by Andy Dalton, and a 61-yard sprint. WCKY Dan Horde and Dave Lapham with the call. Need to get healthy? Play the Browns. Andy Dalton threw four touchdown passes, including that 61-yard connection with Gio Bernard as the Bengals rolled to a 31-7 win over uh, the winless Cleveland Browns. Uh, shook the football cognoscenti. <laughs> wrote the Bengals off at 0-3, and, and they might be still done, uh, even at 1-3. and But a, a comeback has to start somewhere, and Cleveland was a good place to begin. Okay, so two things here. All this week, I saw the hot pick and was to go Browns over Bengals. Browns are getting their first win this week. The Bengals are horrible. And then I thought to myself, 
Did you guys not watch the game against the Packers last week? The Bengals were pretty competitive. Right. And right now, you know, are the Browns co- competing for the playoffs? Absolutely, absolutely not. I know it's early, but they're just they're not at that level. Well, it's early and it's also too late. Yes, absolutely. And are the Bengals there? No, they're both not really good teams, but they're on totally different planes, and there's a, l- a very large gap in between. And we saw that today. I don't think anyone expected it to be 31 to nothing type of gap, though. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's bottoming out. The yeah. Browns were very competitive the first two weeks. You could argue they outplayed the Ravens and Steelers for much of those games. Yet they're they're down thirty one nothing. It has to feel like a pretty big step backwards for this Hugh Jackson regime. Yeah, he said it uh, after the game. This is the worst they've played all year, and, and by a long shot. And it it, it definitely looked like and that. We talked about Joe Mixon maybe having a breakout game, and no Danny Shelton, no Jamie Collins, that they'd be vulnerable. They actually did an okay job containing the run, but they let Andy Dalton, who's been let's face it, dreadful this season, play uh, play a lights out game. Twenty five of thirty, two eighty six, four touchdowns. Um, uh, Mark, we, I joked with you a lot about, um, me coming for your corner and I, I feel bad. I honestly do because it feels like here we are again, it's October and the Browns seem as lost as ever. I'm looking at the box score on my laptop here and under Cleveland passing, it says no Cleveland passing (laughs) and under Cleveland rushing, it says no Cleveland rushing, obviously an error. I don't know. But the entire team (laughs) felt like an error today and it's, it's a decisive step back in a game, this is Hugh Jackson. What co- What head coach in the league outside of Marvin Lewis knows the Bengals better with so many of the same players in place that this is it goes the game. Both ways. It goes both ways, but I, I would just say that Cleveland still, they've got a lot of young players on their team. It does not equate to talent necessarily, and they feel as far away right now as they did at any point last season. And I wonder how long you keep the faith of this of this of this city who's packed this stadium year after year since the turn of the century, no matter what, and basically through a lot of junk. Well, and they've also got again, if you look at the city of Cleveland, they have a one hundred and one win Indians team. They're pumped up trying to finally get a World Series win. You can't just assume forever the, the these fans are just gonna wait for a brighter day because you have to you have to show some evidence and and we're gonna and we're gonna get to Deshaun Watson in a bit. Like, again, just like you passed on Carson once two years ago, now it looks like you might have passed on another superstar when you were at the top of the draft. God, it's just such a frustrating situation. Today I started receiving the, oh, Browns blew it on Watson texts, which I knew were going to come if he put enough good games together. But, yeah, with this team, this is the first time in the Hugh Jackson era where I've watched them and, and thought, they are at rock bottom. Now, last year, obviously, you, you don't win a game until the very end of the season, pretty much. Right. That was under a honeymoon scenario to some degree. Well, that, and you, and you knew the roster gutting, and that was going to be part of it. Whereas now you're in year two, and you come in with some optimism. They're competitive for a couple weeks, and they take a step back against Indianapolis. And today it was like, oh, man, you know, this, they might have to blow this up again. And, and quickly on the, on the Bengals, no one rushes the passer, I think, worse right now than than the Browns. So they they make quarterbacks look healthy. Andy Dalton, four touchdowns, five incompletions. This is not a terrible team. They were ahead of in Green Bay. They, you know, lost late to the Texans. I don't think they're a good team, but there are still pieces there that if a couple of things had broken the way a little differently, they could easily be two and two or three and one now. And I'm not saying their season's not over in a division that's a little weird. Well, I, I also think we a lot of credit is due to Bill Lazor. I mean, I know he was already on the staff. Whoa! That actually scared me, and I knew that, it was coming. 
That was serious. Oh, that was a lot of lasers. <laughs> uh, he's done. A, he's done a really good job just utilizing the talent that they weren't really using before, and, and and it wasn't that big of a change in scheme. But you know, a game like today and a game like last week really kind of got you familiar with their backfield. And you see why coordinators get fired all the time, especially offensive coordinators, because it really does sometimes work and yeah. give a give a spark. Do you want to stick around, Shook, for as we close out the AFC North? Yes, yeah, do it. Let's close out the AFC North. Ben gets the shotgun snap. He's back. He waits. He pumps. He still pumps. He fires, and that's a touchdown for Juju Smith-Schuster from 11 yards out. Ben showed the patience of Job. Stood, <laughs> pumped, stood, it's a bit looked, much. and here came Juju right to left. Nobody covering. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Patience of Job. Bill. Job reference in a huge spot. A big spot. Bill Hillgrove of WDVE with the call. Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster connected early, and Le'Veon Bell finally busted out with 144 yards and two scores to lead the Steelers to a 26-9 win over the rival Ravens in Baltimore. Mark, this was the uh, first Pittsburgh road win against the Ravens since 2012, and you know what? They made it look easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought coming out of that London game with the Ravens, I get it's the Steelers. They, in theory, are kind of loaded on paper. We haven't seen it all uh, come to fruition on the field this season. But your Baltimore, you gave up 10 points over the first two weeks of the season against the bottom of the barrel in the AFC North. I get that. But now you've given up 70 points in the past two weeks, and you can't blame London. You can't blame the, uh, the flight over, the hotel accommodations, whatever it was you put in your body across the sea. Huh? You're now back, and you just got waxed in a team against a team that you, that you know so well, and it leaves me very concerned about the Ravens. I just think at this point they, they're already back against the wall. And for Pittsburgh, I guess it was fair to wonder when Le'Veon Bell would have this kind of game. It's not going to happen probably in his first appearance, but he was used – Heavily as a workhorse today. 39 touches. Yep. James Conner, though, I think is a nice supporting guy to give him a well, spell here. They need here to use there. him more because you're going to fall apart if you have 39 touches every week for 186 yards. But that's a lot. Yes, it is. Yeah, but you know what? At the same time, he didn't get that training camp. And I know we're in week four now, so you, oh, we're past that. But he kind of needs that physical work outside of the practice field to kind of finally get acclimated. And, and he is. And I think for the Steelers, we've talked about – when are they finally going to be a balanced team? Not so much pass run, but offense, defense. It was one of our making the leap picks this year. They came into this game as the number four defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders, and they did another nice job. I know they're not playing a great defense, but they get Stefan it back. He had a huge play in this game. You have Cameron Hayward playing really well. You have Shazier playing well. Like that, like this idea that the Steelers now can win a few different ways Maybe they don't need to have the best offense in the league. Maybe they just need to have a top 10 offense. Our show, it's funny how we can kind of have similar group thinks on, uh, group think on things. Earlier in the summer, we were all like, how are the Ravens going to score points? They, they seem like a, a total also-ran team. And then their defense heated up, and, and we were all like, oh, hmm, the Ravens are going to be frisky, maybe 10-11 wins. But now, it's come, for me, it's come full circle, and it's like, God – these guys are going to struggle to score 20 points all year. That's going to put too much pressure on the defense. And I'm back to thinking that this is a 7-9 and nine team uh, that needs reinforcements. And they used a bunch. They invested a bunch of draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. And that, I don't, I don't want to, you know, nobody's allowed to say anything bad 
uh, about Ozzie Newsom's team building skills, and I'm, I'm certainly not an expert enough to do it, but I will because that's the type of man I am. Uh, <laughs> he should have drafted some offensive players, and I'm sure they'll rectify that in April. But and, and might for not the third or fourth year in a row, I mean, this has been Baltimore's offense from the passing game angle for so long now. I mean, they they're try they're running the ball with Buck Allen and Alex Collins. They threw the ball 49 times. Not one of those times did the team gain more than 16 yards. I mean, they Oof. threw the ball 10 times to Macklin and Perriman for 27 yards. They, they're just desperation. They're not an explosive offense at all, and I don't know, they need I don't know how that's going to change. And their quarterback could have used a, a preseason and a summer, uh, but the back injury didn't let him do it. Shook, uh, thank you for stopping by. Hey. Reigning sixth man of the year. You're our J.R. Smith. Yes. Less tattoos. More shirts. I have the J.R. Smith tattoo shirt. Off to the gym now? Uh, Pumping? Yeah, perhaps. Get a pump in? Yeah. So much more resilient than I am. Like quickly back to my house like eating Doritos. (laughs) All right. Shook off to get a pump in. Thanks, guys. uh, We say those type of things. That's what we say. At the gym together. Let's move on. That was a Sessler lock that came. Oh, that's right. That's what that was. Did you do it? I locked it up, baby. That ends the slump. And what a slump it was. Because I think if you were to actually look at the tail end of last season. you got to bring it up, by the way. I know you're a humble man, but stand up, be brassy. Kind of totally forgot about it. I was, I'm like, I'm three feet away from Shook's upper body. I just like, I'm all discombobulated. Discombob- you're all on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. But yeah, that, that ends you. You were 0-3 on locks. Your Super Bowl team's still winless, but, and your real team is winless. But now you got a lock. Yeah, it's, it's season in general off to a banner start. All right, let's move up. Speaking of locks. Matt Castle, at quarterback. Oof. Takes the shotgun snap, blitzes on up the gut. They pick it up well. He fires, intercepted, picked off Dylan Cole, and he's going to storm it back for a score. High steps left side of the end zone. Touchdown, Texans. 53-14 with 8.31 remaining in the fourth quarter. Oh, Mark Vandermeer of KILT with the call. Let there be no debate. The Houston Texans at long last. Uh, have their franchise quarterback Deshaun Watson threw for four touchdowns and ran for another. A dominant performance in the Texans' 57 to 14 destruction of the so-called Tennessee Titans. Let's calm down with that. Houston's 50 burger <laughs> represents the most points scored in their 16-year history. It also represents. By far, the most decisive lock-off triumph of all time. <laughs> Hit it, Tampa C. And then hit it one more time. No, not that, Erica. We discussed this. Hit me with it. Get your oh, damn Jesus. <laughs> Shocker. Get you know, hold on. Kansas is the man's best radio read. Now listen to the sounds from around the league. Okay, hold on a second. This, what? Was, this was not back. played when you lost the lock. Yeah, I was going to say, back the truck up here just a few what? blocks, please. Because had you, obviously, we know the lock went in your favor. Congratulations. It did it? Excellent I, prognostication. Yeah, it looks like it did. I'm just saying, what would, this, what would that last two minutes have been like had Greg won? Probably less charismatic, I would say. Yes. just. What I'm that. saying is, when you have a lock-off, it happens rarely, and Greg defeated me in a lock-off just last week, was it? Or maybe the week before. Who knows? It went right. by as a whisper to right. the no one really that cares. situation. So, <laughs> but in this case, when you have a lockoff, and that means if you're new to the show, uh, you know we both pick locks for uh, we're more certain about any other team to win, and it just happened to be the same game. And then the team that you lock drops a fifty burger. That's bad. It's 
anyway. it was a decisive victory for you. Uh, and more importantly, maybe not to me, but more importantly, wait, more, in the big no, picture, more important. No, 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 no. What could be more the, important? In the big picture, one A for the Texans. You're one. Big, big, big victory for the Houston Texans. Who, let's face it, the ASC right now is wide open. Uh, with the Patriots having serious problems with no guarantee that they're going to get on track, at least not anytime soon. That's interesting because you told me the whole season was canceled that, you know, before it started and there couldn't be it. any defensive problems or anything. <laughs> like, I know everything. <laughs> like, oh, wait, football's unpredictable? Somebody's salty. <laughs> anyway, my point is the Houston Texans have a quarterback and they have a defense and they have a pretty good coach. Ah, They, I think, Mark, are a real team to reckon with in this conference now. I mean, the last eight quarters by this offense. Throw out the opener they lost with the hurricane situation, everything that happened to them. What they did against the New England Patriots, then what they did by capping it off today by utter destruction of Dick LeBeau and the Tennessee Titans defense. Dick LeBeau, who's something like 27-5. and I don't know the number, but it's close. (laughs) Against rookie quarterbacks. Good research. Dominated today. And Deshaun Watson is so fun to watch. The way he extends the play and just the, the, the guy... The, the vision today, the, the downfield passing, the whole Texans offense, which has been such a liability for so long under Bill O'Brien, has become the story of the AFC, and their defense is fine too, but it's like, whoever would have thought that Deshaun Watson, who all summer long were being told is buried behind Tom, this guy Tom Savage, and here he comes. He looks like the quarterback of the conference right now. There, Fascinating turn of events. There's never been a greater call to deep six training camp, uh, coverage, Bury it. preseason games. End it. He struggled. Watson struggled more than the other rookie quarterbacks, no doubt. Well, the then preseason. that's the other that's point, though. Lost. His his quick, his his transformation and his growth over the course of this first month of the NL season, it's tough to think of too many quarterbacks that have done it that quickly. Well, the preseason is such a different thing because you're not game planning for a specific opponent all week, and we're seeing, and maybe O'Brien clearly didn't expect it to go this well, or else he would have been the week one starter, but we're seeing the impact of O'Brien being able to tailor a game plan around Watson and just the special things when the lights turn on that Watson can Yeah, at the time, Bill O'Brien, the time of his life today. Yeah, and we, you sound like the guy from the Monday Night Football recap uh, opener. What was his name? Sergio Dip? Oh well, thanks a lot for that reference. But I no, honestly, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien the I honestly think life. behind the scenes, Bill O'Brien <laughs> and the Texans. Bill O'Brien's been at odds with that team, with the front office. They've gone through a million quarterbacks. He's never had a quarterback to work with. He finally does. What a difference it makes. I want you to have, Mark, I would love for you to have a confessional YouTube video uh, or a Twitter video posted from a hotel room late tonight talking about your Bill O'Brien company. Oh, I won't be talking about that. This, <laughs> this team is so much more interesting. interesting and entertaining in the future. Let's see how defenses adjust and what you know Deshaun Watson's doing in the middle of November. The more shocking part of this game to me is the fact that like Tennessee just last year in Jacksonville in week 16, just when you think they finally turn the corner, they get hammered by a division opponent in a spot that you didn't expect. Yes, Marcus Mariota got hurt in this game, but he had already been intercepted twice. The defense had given up 31 points in the first five possessions for Houston, so it really wasn't about the injury to Marcus Mariota. It was a full-scale beatdown. 33 first downs to nine for the Titans. You just do not see that in the NFL. That's the type of thing you see you know, when the SEC is scheduling non-conference people. <laughs> Good college I, I like that. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and just one more note to Tennessee fans out there. 
respect and proper pronunciation oh. is earned. Let's move on. Let's hope that hamstring is okay. MRI on Monday. Well, because otherwise they- it means a big dose of Matt Castle that no one on earth needs right now. Steven Hauschka. From 56 yards out, he's made nine in a row from 50 or more. On its way. And good. Greg Gumbel, CBS, with the call. Stephen Hauschka. Mark, mark that for our, uh, our top ten. <laughs> yeah, when you can get Gumbel on older. a prosaic, mundane call like that, you got to go with it. That is a 56-yard field goal, Greg. Uh, Gumble, I'm speaking to, uh, with less than five minutes remaining, and it, it, it put the Bills ahead of the defending NFC Conference champions. Uh, he hit another 50-yarder a little bit later. Final score, 23-17, because the Bills then went down and got a stop on defense deep in their own territory. The Falcons lost the game, also lost wide receiver Julio Jones, who exited with a hip injury. As for the Bills, hey, guys, Greg. Look at the Bills, three and one, first place in the AFC East. Talking to Greg Gumble or Greg Rosenthal? I don't know. Get excited, all the Gregs. Sole possession of first place. This team is going to give up some yards, and they did early in the game. But they they're just so well coached in terms of tackling and situational football and red zone defense. And you know you have to mention that Julio Jones left this game in the first half with an injury, a hip injury. Mohamed Sanu went out quickly afterwards, and so. Suddenly, their wide receivers are Taylor Gabriel and Justin Hardy. Those two receivers had 11 targets for 12 yards. That is a total disaster on the outside. But give the Bills' defense credit for taking advantage, and especially Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy. Their numbers don't pop at you, but you can just find about four or five plays uh McCoy picking up a first down on a third and 17 on a screen that keeps the drive going and they score a touchdown. Tyrod with a bomb that he escaped a couple defenders and throws it down the field. These are just kind of individual plays. It's not the scheme doing it, but they've made enough of these individual plays to win three out of four games. I'm really impressed. I like that we have a Sean versus Sean lockoff in my book right now for coach of the year. You got Sean McVay. And Sean McDermott, who this is a team, we're going to keep saying it, they talked about them tanking in August because of personnel moves they made. Sean McDermott, like he did in Carolina, finds ways to take role players and really make them into big contributors. The Bills handled this game. This was on the road, by the way. I think that like, Buffalo has in, to in be taken Falcons very team. seriously. How I- how serious? I would take them seriously. Like they have, they are extremely well coached. They're not an easy out, and especially in Buffalo. I think um, they did this with that two uh, def- starting defensive linemen as well. My, uh, Matt Ryan certainly did not have a good day, but you have to give credit to the Bills for no. That. And it's there's no hiding. It's not like the Falcons are struggling on offense, but compared to last year, they had 390 not, yards in this yeah. game. Without, to lose the two guys they lost, that Taylor Gabriel is not your they, number one dude. They moved the ball. This was not a game, if you watch it, that you think, okay, the Bills were the better team necessarily. It was an even game. If, if anything, the Falcons moved the ball better. And let's let's face it, the Falcons were due a loss like this. They'd been stealing wins for, which they earned, of course, but the, they were 3-0, easily could have been 1-2, and and they kind of, they were in striking distance of potentially stealing another game. So kudos to the Bills' defense for getting the stop and getting the win. I want to play, we got to keep moving, but I want to play um, our friend LaShawn McCoy, a man that, Maybe he doesn't know how to tip too well. Maybe he's not the best at organizing parties featuring uh, both sexes. But uh, the man really knows how to have a chip on his shoulder. Let's listen to Shady in the locker room after the game. Y'all picked us to lose. 
okay? What we want is to come talk to the winners. Huh? Yeah, in Atlanta. Wow. John Scott uh, with that video on Twitter uh, from uh, – SBEC News Buffalo. That was a theme. Cam Newton also was, was upset. And I, why I take him seriously? Because if, if you told Bills fans who were down in the dumps four weeks ago that by week four you would have back-to-back wins against the Broncos and Falcons, this is a legit team. Hey, newsflash, though. Uh, area, area reporter predicts reigning undefeated NFC champion team to win at home versus a team that has not made the playoffs this century. <laughs> it's not It's not a shocking take. I mean, it's a yeah. fair point by Greg. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't get so upset at the media there, uh, LaShawn, but you do you, buddy. Let's move on. Folk is set. Snap is spot. Kick on its way, and it is no. It's good. It is good inside the left upright. The Giants were offside, but it doesn't matter. And the Giants... Are now 0 and 4. Was that Jerry Seinfeld? That sounded remarkably like a low-level Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, that's Bob Papa. Bob Papa. Come on, bro. Sounded like Jerry Seinfeld. Papa, he's one of the best in the business, but uh, he is. Well, so is Jerry Seinfeld um, in his business. Well, (laughs) no one's arguing that. Okay, or was. You're you're saying Seinfeld over the hill? No, I'm saying some level. I mean, he's. I don't think he's attempting to be. You know, this. Move on. Okay. I mean, I'm fine with moving on. Uh, anyway, Jameis Winston threw for 332 yards and three touchdowns. It's with the old, you know, Sessler Seinfeld bit. It sounded – every I would, show. I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to go back and say, did that sound a little bit like Jerry Seinfeld? I think I'm right. Okay. It also sounded a lot like Bob Papa. A lot like Bob Papa as well. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Nick Folk kicked a 34-yard field goal as time expired to give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a 25-23 win over the winless New York Giants. Mark, the Giants have no idea how to close out a game, and their season is effectively over on October 1st because of it. Go figure. It's over. I mean, it's. I don't know what you Stick do to climb back in into this thing. Nick Falk, by the way, I mean, it had the Bucks not eked this one out. Nick Falk, who missed two field goals, makeable field goals, and an extra point. This team that has had kicker drama dating back for far too long at this point cannot have a kicker costing them seven points. The Bucks do not have all their issues figured out, but I will say this. It was impressive to see Jameis Winston start very hot. Then the team went into the tank for like 30 minutes of game time. And then they got themselves out of it and won this game with a really nice closing drive by, by Jameis Winston in the offense. This team, though, still needs – there are elements missing. I think it starts with the ground game. They did get an okay – Jaquise Rogers look okay They'll today. get Doug Martin back Th- soon. That will help a lot if we get the Doug Martin Next we week, saw in the preseason. They're, they're not all there. They play the Patriots Thursday night. As for the Giants, I mean, they – a little bit of a spark on the ground – but there's really so they're so imbalanced. They're so one-sided. It's the same thing. 27 first half passes for Eli Manning threw something 40 something by the end of the game. 49. It's it's just a ridiculous model for offense. Uh, Wayne Gallman? Am I supposed to know he, who that is? It was he, he's been uh, essentially, you know, inactive week after week. He Fourth round pickup at Clemson. Okay. He looked okay. But again, I, he can't run behind this line. But like if you're in week 4 and your season's on the line and you're turning to Wayne Gallman to save the day, it's it very shows telling. you the struggles that they've had very to telling. run the football. The the Bucks were missing, you know, their two star linebackers in this game, Quan Alexander and Levante David, and and they're not everything's not clicking right now. But these are the types of wins that you got to get to sort of start stacking. All right, some things went against them. They blew a lead, and I find it really interesting that for all the Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson talk, I mean, the leading receivers on this team are Cameron Brait 
and Adam Humphreys. Today. Well, and, and this that shows how deep they are, though. That they are deep, and good. they also it was a huge, it was a big uh, performance by O.J. Howard, who got as open as I've seen any tight end get all season long against New York's pretty good secondary for a wild 58-yard touchdown. That's it. the giant. Things are now rolling downhill in a bad way, uh, and Ben McAdoo's got to watch out. Because now, 0-4, this is – really, the Giants have had so much success. If you threw the 70s, they had a bad stretch of thing, a bad go of it. But you have to go back decades to find the last Giants team that started off this poorly, and it's a it's a big surprise. So Tampa gets the win, a banged-up Tampa team, mm. still able to beat a desperate Giants team. That shows you how broken the Giants are. Let's check in with the Philadelphia Eagles. Wentz takes the shotgun snap. Straight up the middle, handoff to Smallwood, and he's in. Touchdown, Philadelphia, from three yards out. Merrill Reese, WTEL, with the call. Wendell Smallwood found the end zone in the fourth quarter, and LeGarrette Blunt rumbled for 136 yards to help carry the Eagles to a 27-24 win over the Los Angeles Chargers. That's 0-4 for the Bolts. So there you are, the two winless teams, along with the 49ers. Uh, and that includes three home losses at the stubbed toe. In a, in a row. Maybe. Three in a row at the stubbed toe. With a cross down, t- Rams off to a great start. This is a worst-case scenario for the Spanos family and long-suffering Chargers fans. Not only are you winless, not only is there a lot of uh, criticism coming down on the organization and, and the, the home game experience with how many fans from other teams are pouring in to your soccer facility. You're now 0-4 while the Rams are the talk of the NFC at 3-1. and What is it called? The battle for L.A.? Fight, fight for, for L.A. The fight's over. It's October 1 and the fight's over. Call it fight. Let's face it. Uh, and uh, and the same old story, Greg. I know you you always like to watch the Chargers. You're a big fan of Philip Rivers, and and they do do exciting things. But like uh, this year, I I don't know if I've liked it this year. Yeah, they just the same old story with this team. That they had a chance, and this happened last week as well, Greg. You said it downstairs to get one more chance down to down three points, get off the field, uh, and uh, have a chance to win the game. And the defense couldn't stop the run, and they lost the game. They did, and it reminded it reminded me a lot of the, that Chiefs game, and it reminded me a lot of what the Eagles did a week ago too. I think this Eagles team's getting a little bit of an identity, and Doug Peterson has got to love it. Last week they run the ball 193 yards. They totally stopped the opposition uh, 49 yards when they play the Giants. This week they rush it for 214 yards, Whoa. including in the key moments of the game. I mean – Football teams just live for that. Offensive linemen and LeGarrette Blunt just hammering things to close the game out, and they hold Melvin Gordon and the Chargers to 58 yards. It should be a lot less if it wasn't for one long random touchdown by uh, my buddy. What's his name? Eckler. Yeah, the rookie. Austin I mean, Eckler. this has not been a good Chargers offense. That's what, that's what's surprising. The offense has been mediocre. The defense, LeGarrette Blunt. Legary stiff-arming people like Beast Mode, a 68-yard run, which was a huge, huge play in the game. And Carson Wentz, who's been asked to do so much uh, since coming to the Eagles, you know, this is a more manageable thing. You have him 17 of 31, 242 in a touch. Let the running game take some heat off the, the kid behind center, and this is how you win games. I and- mean, they ran 74 plays. That is an incredibly right. high amount. So they're a ball control team, and you said it. They're asking Wentz to do less in his second year then he had to do it as a rookie. That, I also nice think formula. what helps Wentz is that former making the league candidate Zach Ertz 
How many good games <laughs> in a row now? Years ago. Huh? Was that years? Years, years and years ago. But, I mean, Ertz has been an incredibly reliable yeah. sort of safety blanket for, for Wentz, in and it year, adds a lot to that passing game. In a year where there have not been a lot of reli- reliable tight ends. And one last note before we move on, and I think this is an indictment of the defense and, and – the offense, quite frankly, the coaching staff, and let's be honest, the quarterback too. The Chargers are now five and twenty-five in their last thirty games, decided by one score. Can't close out games. Can't win close games. You're not going anywhere in the league. Let's move on. The Sessler Bowl Breeze next back. week. Chargers, Giants. Oh my God! <laughs> Put me under. Breeze back in the shotgun. Brings get in motion from the left. Breeze fakes again. Little shovel pass inside to Camaro. Running right side. Breaks a tackle down to the goal line and into the end zone. Touchdown, New Orleans. Drew Brees threw for 268 yards and two touchdowns, including that 12-yard connection with Alvin Kamara as the Saints coasted to a 20 to nothing win over the listless Miami Dolphins at rainy Wembley Stadium. Greg, kudos to Sean Payton and company for bouncing back with two straight excellent defensive performances to get their season back on, uh, back on track. But let's start with the Dolphins, who seem to be careening off the tracks here. We are one last play Jay Cutler touchdown to Devontae Parker, meaningless in week three against the Jets. We're one play away from back-to-back shutouts in the NFL. Unacceptable. In 2017, for a coaching staff um, that's known for offense and a group of players uh, that were expected to come together this year. Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Jarvis Landry, Jay Ajayi, Julius Thomas. I was going to do a making the leap one on them, and I ran out of time. I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> Thank God for the unstoppable march of time. I mean, look at the Saints, who most people felt like they were going to get waxed <laughs> against Carolina. That was a very Adam West Batman line. <laughs> was, was... Old chum, the unstoppable march of time <laughs> strikes once. Again. <laughs> One of my favorite Dan transitions of the uh, season. Let's clip that. Very odd. You give 13 points to the Panthers. You come out, and this was one of the most. I mean, I don't know. Greg, I know you were up. How many of our listeners in London tweeted at us who were at this game painfully wondering at halftime if anything enjoyable would happen the entire time? It came around in the second half. But Saints. this is a big defensive, st- big defensive showing for New Orleans. Sorry, Look. UK fans, you are over two. Yeah, it's been it. It hurts. I wake up. I always am rooting for just good football and points and excitement because you just want uh, the brand of football to be exciting for anyone there that's enjoying it for the first time or they're a casual fan. And and the announcers, you know, Kevin Burkhart and and Charles Davis, who play it very straight in general, were really making jokes about how sloppy the, the games were. They were dropping like, – they were, they were no – they were dropping – Because it was all penalties and mistakes. And then a couple things. I, Jay Cutler had to be looking up at that broadcast booth and thinking, oh, maybe I, maybe I should be there. Because that was, that his, was team. his team. He, he was yeah. going to be with Burkhardt and Davis, and he has to does, – doesn't he have to be in the back of his mind wondering, like, well – I come back? Was well, it was like, the body language, and I don't want to read too much into it because I think it's just natural to be this way. Between Adam Gase and Cutler at the end of this game was negative, and I thought that Adam Gase challenged the Dolphins this week when he called the offense essentially garbage. It's a thing where a team, nice move. team, either comes out and responds to that, 
or they do what they happen today, and they really do look like that. When you said Jay Cutler and body language, I thought you were saying when he was split out wide in that wild card. Oh, package, that was hung his hung his arms like a teenager that had to go to church on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, he was not effectively sort of playing that wildcat scenario out I, very well. I'm a little bit annoyed because uh, I'm uh, I'm not the only one, but so many of us got sucked in a little bit by the Cutler signing and this idea that. Oh, they're going to be okay, you know. The, this uh, given this, this could situation, change, but I I was more than yeah. anyone. Things could change, maybe. We, but it also there's a very real. We chance don't know that anything. These teams Jay are Cutler's, all going to change. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There's also a chance that Jay Cutler is washed up. Yeah. And th- this it was a desperation signing, and, and it might not work out, and then he might not even be on the field two weeks from now. We'll have to see. Let's give the Saints some love and some attention for. For them, it was a beautiful game because their defense can now shut down problematic offenses. Yeah, they were playing the Dolphins, but it doesn't matter. They weren't a defense that could stop anyone, and they have a four-safety look that they're showing now, which is giving some opposition problems, dime defense, doing some pressures. Cam Jordan's playing very well. And on offense, it was possession football. Even though it was a low-scoring game, every time they got the ball, especially in the second half, it's – it's a six-minute drive. It's a five-minute drive. It's it's a four-minute drive. Really, throughout the game, they were moving the ball, keeping their defense on the field, and they're suddenly two and two. I mean, they're in the mix. There's no reason they can't be in the mix. Believe, Dan. Mm, you don't believe it. Pass. Either. Seven and nine. <laughs> Moving on. Stafford will take the snap. Does. Gives to Amir. Amir hesitates. Fighting. Inside the two. Inside the one. To the end zone. Did he get in? No signal yet. That's a, That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. They need to look at that. <laughs> and they did look at it, and it was a touchdown. That's my boy Dan Miller, former uh, interview subject of the pain rankings. There would be no Case Keenum magic on Sunday in Minnesota. Amir Abdullah ran for 94 yards on that touchdown, and Detroit's defense did the rest in a 14-7 to win over the Vikings. Ooh, I have a juicy, juicy tidbit coming up based on that score. Get excited, America. And overseas. The biggest story of this game, unfortunately, <laughs> was an injury. Viking star rookie running back Dalvin Cook suffered a non contact knee injury that is believed to be a torn ACL. They'll have tests on Monday to confirm it, but that's what the team fears. And based on Cook's uh, you know, face and his body language immediately after, he seemed to know something very bad happened with his knee. Mark, it's terrible news, and it could have the effect of short circuiting another Viking season. Absolutely. I mean, I can't think of, you know, there aren't that many rookies that are playing a more pivotal workhorse role than Dalvin Cook. And, and the, the team, cha- the, the offense entirely changed after that because the drop off to Jarek McKinnon is steep. And there was a sequence in this game. You come, you're, you're coming out of halftime if you're the Vikings. You're up 7-3. to three. McKinnon fumbles the ball in the second offensive snap of the third quarter for the Vikings. Detroit, down 7-3, to three, drives quickly for a field goal, 7-6. The next play for the Vikings on their possession, Dalvin Cook, you can see him grabbing his knee, a non-contact injury, losing the ball, a fumble again picked up by the Vikings, the, by, the, by the Lions. The Lions marched down for a touchdown, 14-7, game over. It was a very bizarre game, but you now have a Vikings team without Sam Bradford. Hopefully he'll be back soon, but you have essentially Dalvin Cook ripped out of this offense. It is a drastic loss. It's, it's a... It makes me look at Minnesota's season as potentially over. Hmm. I think that's that's going too far. If they it get, might be, but it, it's, if they get Bradford back, but you're right. I mean, when Latavius Murray was signed, people thought he was going to be the starter, so he's going to be the guy that I think they lean on in terms of running downs. But he hasn't really shown 
much special in Minnesota or Oakland for that matter. I think the receivers and Rudolph and the defense potentially, I mean, the defense played well enough. The Lions had 250 yards in this game. It's not like the Lions. Not a great offensive game. The Lions were going up and down the field, but they they need Bradford back. Need him back. They absolutely uh, do need him back, guys. And and I'm going to say, who says no? Let's play the who says no game. I want to hear that tidbit. That's coming up in a second. Adrian Peterson. The Vikings say no. For a fourth-round pick. (laughs) Who says no? The the Vikings pick up the phone, call up the Saints, offer a fourth-round pick for Adrian Peterson. Or who says yes? Who says no? I would I would say no if I were the Vikings. To the Vikings would not trade. You just said yourself it was a steep drop off to Jared I, McKinnon. I don't view from what I've seen from Adrian Peterson as the answer on the, any level. I don't think the Vikings would. Had four carries today. I don't think the Vikings would trade a conditional seventh round pick for Adrian Peterson. I don't think they would sign him for the league minimum or give up anything. I think they'd Ouch. much rather have. Well, that's just how I think they view him. They can I roll with they, the two guys they have. The Latavius Murray and McKinnon. Oof. Okay. I'm not, hey, listen. Get on my back. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. I mean, what what else would they not do for you. it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they could find – maybe there are some running backs out there that could be available. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, but he's not the one. Okay. Sorry. Finally, my little tidbit. <laughs> oh, no. The last time a game ended with a 14-7 to final score. Take a guess. Everybody, give me a year. Give me a year. Mark. 2007. Greg. 1996. Loose Cannon. Got you off guard, didn't I? 2001. The correct answer. Week four of the 2004 season, the Giants defeated Green Bay 14-7. This is the 86th game that ended uh, 14-7 NFL history, including playoffs that uh, the NFL media reached. I'm closest. Department. What do I win? You don't win anything. You get Adrian Peterson for Great a contest. 17th round pick. Great contest. Starting quarterbacks in that game, I believe, were two Hall of Famers. Brett Favre and Kurt Warner. <laughs> How about that? Nice. Nice tid, bro. Nice tid. That could come up potentially in the subreddit super contest on Tuesday's episode. Get ready, Greg, because it's coming back. Let's move on. To win it for the Jets in overtime. Captain's arrow out of the hold of Lock Edwards from 41 yards out. The snap, the placement, the kick is on the way. End over end towards the uprights. It is good. Right down the middle, Bob. Yeah, Bob Oshusen and Marty Lyons uh, with the call. Chandler Cannonzaro kicked a 41-yard field goal with 28 seconds left in overtime, lifting the Jets to a wacky, strange 23-20 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Meadowlands, uh, a game that uh, was 10-10 uh, at the half. The Jets got it up to 20-10. to and had the ball deep in uh, in Jacksonville territory, looking to put the game away. And then Miles Jack had a really nice uh, pickup of a backward pass from Josh McCown. He scoops up on a hop and sprints 80 yards the other way to make it a game. Josh McCown then threw a, a bad interception, maybe not his fault. The uh, receiver slipped. That led to a field goal. 20-20 went to overtime, and then it got it got a little bit ugly because you had a game here with Blake Bortles. He stinks, guys. I mean, the guy cannot make a play uh, another terrible game although he did not get helped out uh, the Jets won this game but the Jaguars very easily could have won this game in overtime there was around midfield it was a third and three Bortles hadn't even thrown a spiral all game let alone uh, made a dynamic uh, connection with a receiver and he throws a nice tight ball 
uh, to Marquise Lee that would have set up the Jaguars first and 10 uh, right around the Jets' 30, and Lee can't make the catch. Mm. Uh, so instead of first and 10 in field goal range, they punt, uh, and they never get a closer chance than that. Marquise Lee, by the way, a little later in overtime, misjudged a punt, which buried them back in deep in their own territory and then set up the Jets' uh, game-winning drive. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying the Jaguars are a bad team uh, because they certainly uh, looked okay in winning two of their first three, but this was the type of losses that, that bad teams start to accumulate where you uh, come back but can't seal a game, and, and the Jets, uh, the scam for Sam, maybe not going to plan – but at the same time, two and two, and they have their dignity in, intact as a franchise right now, which a lot of people were not predicting last month. They're an incredibly – maybe they're not a bad team, but they're erratic is the nicest thing you can say about them, and everyone's going to put it all on Bortles. But his top receivers are Alan Hearns and Marquise Lee, and the Jaguars' defense gave up 471 yards to the 2017 New York Jets. Mm -hmm. So that's not the recipe. I know they want to give the ball to Leonard Fournette all day. They did. He got the ball 29 times between his catches and his rushing attempts. They have to score 20 points and win this game. That's their recipe. So you don't give up 470 yards and all these points to the Jets. That's just not – they can't be like that. Where are you at, Dan? Because I, I would say you were having fun down. Oh, it's over. Scam for Sam game. is gone. Dan's all in on them uh, making the playoffs. At this point, I would say – I playoffs. said it down there. At this point, it would be a little disappointing if they didn't make it. Well, you were only slightly trolling Dan with that comment. Right, and it, the, the problem for Greg is that it doesn't hurt me one bit because I kind of come out okay in this. Like, the, all right, it's becoming clear now – that the Jets are not horrendous. And what's going to happen now, it's pretty clear after a week, unless something changes. I know their schedule tightens up in the next few weeks, but uh, they are going to get beat by good teams, like the Raiders handling them at home easily. Uh, but anytime they play a team that's like a middling or worse team, they're going to hang with those teams and win some games. That they're probably going to end up winning five or six games, and that's going to be annoying in terms of them getting that quarterback they've been looking for for 45 years. Uh, but at the same time, there was some, There was really pressing on me as a Jets fan, and I know I'm not alone. Uh, first, rooting against the Jets is not a fun thing to do if you're an actual true fan. And second of all, it was shaping up as an embarrassing season where you were just going to be uh, monologue, late-night show jokes, and everyone nonstop memes on Twitter and that type of situation. It was kind of like that throughout the summer. And then, like, talent scouts saying, this is the worst offensive collection we've seen in the last 30 years, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like, you can forget all that now because Todd Bowles, give him credit, this team is not embarrassing by any stretch. They're just another team. I'll give you this. Next week – you play the Browns. You're two and two. You play the Browns. And then you fast forward two weeks later, you got the Dolphins. That's a winnable game. And that sandwiches a game with the New England Patriots. <laughs> Can you imagine Woo. being three and two and dealing with the Patriots? If you ever, ever, ever <laughs> pulled that off, you will be sky high. We will have never seen a Dan oh, that way it. That during this happened. show. That, that would be These are possible things. About it. Yeah, You're going to be 3-2 going into the New England game. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, so bad loss for the Jaguars. They they went I in see there. see what you did there. You already gave them the win over the Browns. Let's, let, let's calm down here. I'm not ang- give, I feel nothing anymore, anyone. so I'm not angling for it. There's no psychological <laughs> warfare occurring there. Yeah, a bad loss by the Jaguars, who uh, still have a major quarterback problem, and, and, and the Jets, a nice win. And Bilal Paul, by the way, get, get comfortable, Matt Forte. 
your turf toe, don't rush back because Bilal Paul should be their lead guy. And even your boy, uh, Mark, Elijah McGuire, had a, a touchdown run that, that electrified the Meadowlands. So it was a nice, nice effort by the team. And I just want to share one more thing about the Jets. Should I save it for Thursday? I could save it for Thursday. Let's hear from uh, Keith. Is he in the show? No, Keith Keith was tied up with some uh, husband activities. So he had to watch the game on the DVR. So we don't have Keith this week. Uh, <laughs> Sounds uh, mysterious. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, he's retired now. And Keith and Deb, they do retirement fun things on the weekend. So he had to. he's playing catch up. Well, this is going to be a treat for him. Yeah, for sure. I will save my, my jet, other jet thought for another show because we're running a little late tonight. Uh, so that is uh, all the games leading into Sunday Night Football. So let's close it out with a little carry. Oh, Sunday night. Frank Gore is the running back. They fake it to him. Brissett gets hit as he throws. Was the arm coming forward? You've got Bobby Wagner picking it up, and Bobby oh. Wagner will take it in. So if the play stands... As Brissett goes down, and if the arm wasn't coming forward, it will wind up as a touchdown. Yes, this one got out of hand in a hurry, down 15-10 at halftime. The Seahawks rip off, what, 36 points That's in the right. second half. 36 plus 10 equals 46, a 46-18 win over the Indianapolis Colts to uh, – for a little bit while there, a little while there, they looked like they might have had a big upset, but it just wasn't happening. Uh, Mark Sessler, uh, the Seahawks woke up, the defense woke up, and the better team prevailed in their home. Right. By the end of the game, it played out the way that I think during the week we thought it very... <laughs> Look, I feel lucky that we're, we had to get to week four for me to be blasted away by that hideous anthem. <laughs> Uh, but the game script... called it an anthem. He called it an anthem. On to you, Greg. I'm done. <laughs> Got him. Oh, come on. No, I just think I think it, 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 I, I'm a little discouraged because the game. I, I was so excited. To, uh, the Colts to me were thrilling tonight, and then the wheels. I'm just going to talk right through it. I'm going to talk. The wheels just fell completely off. And this was the game Seattle needed, I mean, to answer a lot of questions. And it starts with and the way they ran the ball, to be honest. We'll see. And I feel for Al, Al and Chris and Michelle because they, they got stuck in America a, a and dog us. again. What mostly Al, Chris, a and trio of millionaires. Um, <laughs> you think Michelle Safoy is a millionaire? Absolutely. Right, good for her. Are you kidding me? Well, it's a nice job by Michelle. Not Martha's Vineyard, Greg. Sorry. I'm just saying. What is that? What is that? Anyway. Anyway, a game that was so close at halftime got away. And I don't know, maybe it will carry over for the Seahawks. And, and now they'll start scoring again. But this also is a game that started going downhill fast. So I don't know how much to put into that second half. Because the first half, Greg, was about as ugly as it gets. It was. But in the second half, for the second straight week, they found their magic. And Russell Wilson rushing for 23-yard touchdown where he was really fired up afterwards. I like to see that. You could almost see the frustration from the start of the year coming out and then throwing a beautiful pass downfield where he's running across his body. And you think, well, can they do that every week? Can they rely on these crazy plays? They've been relying on it since 2012. So it's really more than the, the, the defense is good week after week. And we'll see about this performance. It doesn't really change my mind. They had two major injuries Injuries, though, and that seems to happen almost every week for the Seahawks. Uh, you lose Cliff Averill earlier in the game, and you lose Chris Carson to what looked like a pretty serious injury at running back. So even when they win, it seems like they lose a when, couple guys. When the air cast comes out, it's never good. But the good news in the backfield was that someone emerged. And again, 
Hard to tell what to make of the second half of this going forward, but J.D. McKissick, he had an excellent cut-and-go run where he looked extremely fast, and then later in the game, once the game had gotten out of hand, he had a, made a nice catch in the end zone for another touchdown, so maybe they unearthed a, a weapon in that backfield that they can use. We'll see what happens next now. Thomas Rawls, a healthy scratch in this game. Eddie Lacy actually was running uh, okay. pretty well when he did get some work in this game. Uh, C.G. Proceis, he got him in the mix as well. So we'll see what happens going forward. No Chris Carson, you could probably safely assume. With the McKissick touchdown run, which the three of us, I think, kind of stopped us in our tracks. And it's it was when you started, this game was just blown wide open at, at that stage. That the replay, they kept showing it in sort of three three quarters mo, like, you know, speed motion. I wanted them to show it in real time because the speed and the quickness, the guy, the, the Seattle keeps unearthing these running backs out of nowhere. It's fun when the season starts to take shape and the games start to feel like they mean a little something. And next week, the two and two Seahawks go on the road to the three and one first place all by themselves Saucy. Rams, and you start thinking, all right, are, if the Rams can can win that game, then then you start worrying if you're a Seahawks fan. All right, so. And, uh, Save it for the preview pod, hey. Greg. But nice little tease, tease, a little dish. The next time you hear from us will be on Tuesday uh, when uh, we'll recap the Monday night football matchup between Mark. I was looking at a clickbait article. Oh, on come on. What, what is the matchup? The, the show is still going. It's the Redskins. It's the Chiefs. It's a pretty good Monday oh, show night game. Is, I, I checked out about three I was a three, bit of a lot of Avil Magnifico ago. there, Mark. I got to be honest with you. I looked at something that, ca- that captured my attention yeah. on the internet. So. Do you care to share? Not really. Yeah, I didn't think so. So uh, we will be back on Tuesday uh, recapping the Monday Night Football game. Yes, the subreddit super contest is back on Tuesday. Maybe for the last time. Maybe it will keep going on, Greg. I know you're excited. So make sure you check out the yeah, subreddit. Get everyone tuning in. Get the subreddit. <laughs> get get uh, sign up for the subreddit. Erica, the loose cannon will be posting the latest uh, qualification thread, I'll call it. I'm just making up stuff now, and uh, that'll be fun. So. You know better than to throw random, you know, quizzical-type uh, things at me late on a Sunday night, Dan. I know, I know. All right, let's go. Let's go. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, uh, Nick Shook, yo, boss, and the loose cannon. Oh, the throne of sleaze. It's in trouble. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.